Good morning, Grace Place, both online and on campus. We are so glad that you're here today on Vision Sunday. So I thought it'd be good for us. You saw it on the wall when you came in to just kind of rehearse the vision together. All of the gospel. There we go. You're doing great. <laughs> I heard you online too. All of the gospel for all of the people. Amen. That is so powerful, uh, a vision for us as a church. It means that all of the gospel, not uh, cultural appropriated gospel, but all of the gospel that Jesus gave to us, we believe and practice, and we believe it is for all of the people. Amen. Well, the world will war uh, in terms of how much, uh, you know, uh, our, our skin color is darker or lesser. We, the people of God, have been given the answer from the beginning. We are God's people, all of us. And so this gospel is for all of us. Amen? Well, I'm so excited that you're here for Vision Sunday. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2 in Philippians. This, these are uh, segments, Paul's uh, letters to the church that come, uh, they're, they're commonly referred to as the prison epistles uh, because Paul was in prison while he was writing them. And they, uh, they you know, we have uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, those four books that run together. They're not uh, real long, those four letters. And uh, you, can, you can read through them. But we are looking today at Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. And we're going to be examining today... Uh, what we are to do in light of what is going on in our world, right? And uh, so let's take a look at what uh, the Word of God says is for us to be doing in these moments in which you and I live. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 12, will you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault. And if you have your pens on you, write this, underline this part, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars. Underline that too. Here's what we're to be doing. Like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run a labor in vain. Father, we come to you thanking you for your word. This is your word. Lord, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts and our understanding and that you would do the transformational work that only you can do by your spirit in these moments that we've come together to hear your word so that we may act upon it and be those that are doers of the word as well as hearers of the word. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
God bless you as you're seated. <clears throat> I don't need to rehearse for you uh, about the corrupt, sin-filled world in which you and I are living in this moment. I don't need to cite examples for you uh, uh, that are happening in our government, in our schools, in our community gatherings. You are aware, and I think you are aware uh, and alerted in some sense, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a, a true believer, a member of the body of Christ, you're alerted uh, to the significant rise in demonic activity in our nation and in our world. What is important, though, for us to fully understand as surrendered followers of Jesus Christ about the moment in which you and I live in is that our world is under the judgment of God. Our world is under the judgment of God. Now, there might be a tendency in how we read through Scripture for us to think only in terms of judgment of God as being futuristic. That, you know, God is going to judge us. And there is truth in the fact that we will see that happen, uh, the final judgment the Bible talks about, where God will separate those who belong to Him and those who don't belong to Him. He will be judging um, those and, and separating them apart. So while it is true that God will judge each individual at his appearing and those and will determine those that will inherit eternal life and those that will inherit eternal death, the Bible's clear that governments and peoples who are stiff-necked and refuse to heed the truth of the Word of God are under judgment. Now, you don't need to go far in Scripture to see the judgments of God enacted upon mankind. You can ask Adam and Eve, who first experienced judgment as a result of their disobedience to God and how life changed for them. You can ask Cain, who killed his brother, Abel, and then received the judgment of God, what it was like to live under the judgment of God. You can ask the nation Israel, who rebelled against God and fell into captivity many times, but first and foremost into the captivity of Egypt. And of course, you could go back and ask the Egyptians if, we, if time would, would allow us to go backwards. The leadership there is they refused to release Israel and God's, at God's command what he asked them to or what he commanded them to do. And as a result of that, they experienced judgment plagues upon Egypt. So judgment is uh, being enacted upon those who are sinful and who are away from God. Now, how can I be sure that the question then is, how can I be sure that my nation is under the judgment of God? Acts chapter 1, we're going to go there, if you would, and, and hold your place there. We're going to read, but we're going to first start with Acts chapter 1, verse 18. Acts chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed upon, uh, revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now hold your place there in Acts 1 and 18, and we'll revisit that shortly. But I don't want anyone to get lost in the weeds. We, there's a whole message on uh, these wrath judgments of God that are that follow sinful behavior. But uh, I want to briefly explain to you the wrath judgments of, of God as we see them in Scripture. 
Uh, one that we are all kind of familiar with and think through is, is obviously the eternal separation from God, that final judgment. Hell is the ultimate outpouring of the wrath of God upon sin and upon the sinner. But we also are familiar, if we've read through Scripture, with the eschological uh, or end times kind of judgments, and that uh, we often think of as we look back to the book of Revelation, but there's much more talked about it throughout Scripture about end time, uh, you know, kind of wrath judgments of God uh, because of sin. And uh, as we look in, in the book of Revelations in particular, we, we see a great deal of the wrath of God coming down upon mankind on planet Earth. And then we also can see in Scripture what I would call the cataclysmic kind of judgment of God. And that would include, uh, in, in, as, as we read through Scripture, the great flood that covered the earth in the days of Noah. We see commonly in uh, our lives and, and in people around us what the Bible talks about as sowing and reaping wraths or judgments. And in this case, there are built-in judgments associated with willful rebellion and sin. We can see it in the form of addictions. We can see it in the form of perversions and greed and rage and lust and so much more that we could spend time talking about today. But the sowing and reaping kind of wrath. But where I want to focus today on what we are seeing on our planet right now is the wrath of abandonment of the truth. The wrath of the abandonment of the truth. This is the wrath that is being spoken of here in Romans chapter 1. You see, the history of our world is about nations and peoples rejecting God, though He has revealed Himself to them. It's about nations and individuals rejecting God's truth and, and going their own way and consequently experiencing the wrath of divine abandonment. If you want to go back where I told you to hold uh, in, in Acts chapter 14, verses 15 and 17, it says, We also are men of the same nature as you, and preach, I'm sorry, it was Acts chapter 1, where you were holding verses uh, 14, 15, and 17. We also are men of the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own way. Nevertheless, he did not leave them without a witness. And what he's saying here is, is as the judgments are being spelled out on the earth, God has always had a presence here and will maintain a presence. This abandonment that's talked about in Scripture is the abandonment of the individual turning them over to their own sin. It's not the abandonment of planet earth and mankind. God has always had a, a church. God has always had a people who belong to him. And as a result of that, those who have been abandoned by God see something different in those who are serving God and living for God. They see a light. They see a different way of living. From the beginning, God set that pathway before men of life and death, and he encouraged us to take the pathway of life. But sin it is that has lured man uh, to, to the road of death. Skip down to verse 19 there. Because 
what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that all, say this with me, so that all, that they are without excuse. So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God and did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. On this planet, as well as in the heavens, God put His power on display, His majesty on display, His order on display, so that all mankind could know, they could be without excuse that there is a God. Yet mankind has and does reject God Nations and cultures and communities throw off uh, the, the, the value of, their, of serving God, of living for God, or of even believing in God. And so God has withdrawn His presence in, in, in a wrath of abandonment from those who reject Him and reject His truth. I think it's striking in the day and age in which you and I are living right now that, um, and I have often had conversations with other pastors about this, that you know, uh, the pandemic in 2020, you know, that had such an impact on the whole of the world, but on our nation, in particularly the churches. And that there were, uh, you know, different experiences across the nation. We, we uh, reference ours. We understand what it was to be in Texas in that moment, in that time, and to be in this city, in this place. But people that were in various other states were having different experiences, and they were uh, being told they couldn't sing in worship. They couldn't, uh, there's many things that were going on. And what's remarkable about that season, you know, where it says sin abounds and grace abounds much more, is that every, no matter how big or how small, you know, a church of 10, 12, 15 people, all the way to churches of thousands and thousands of people, if they didn't have it in place already, immediately uh, became online churches. <laughs> And that God began to reveal himself in every corner of the nation. I'm often just, uh, you know, amazed by this because periodically Google will send us, you know, uh, little records of, of what's happening with our online services and things like that to, to let us know. And, and I'm seeing not only, you know, in the United States, there's places that pop up, you know, beacons of, that were listening to us and watching our service. But, you know, I'll, I'll see things, uh, you know, across other nations, you know something in Australia and something in, you know, South Africa. And, and you're, just, you're just amazed. You're saying, God, no one can say you don't exist. You keep revealing yourself in some incredible ways. And yet the world is bent in sin on wanting their sin and rejecting God. So what happens as a result of that abandonment? When God's judgment comes... And we'll see this, and I'm going to walk you through this in terms of like what happened in my generation and kind of like uh, show you how we have progressed and where we are 
to this point, okay? So let's go back to Scripture in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 24. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged their natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not uh, uh, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, others translated gossipers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. I'm going to climb back just for a moment to uh, the top of that, what we read. Therefore, God gave them over to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies uh, among themselves. Every generation who has rejected God, and every generation has uh, on the planet, there have, uh, have been many who have rejected God, and so as a result of that, they've experienced this over and over again. This is not uh, anything new under the sun. But what I'm going to walk you through is, is kind of what we begin to see in terms of the judgment of God. And I'll walk you through it in terms of my generation. So the first thing that we notice about the nation under judgment of God is, is a sexual revolution. Boy, it came on like a storm in my generation. Born in the 1960s, and uh, the, the, one of the terms that uh, was carried about and affected uh, media and everything was uh, the term free love. You know, uh, when I was, was uh, very young, I was very young, I was born in 1960, so I wasn't necessarily a teenager and when all of this was, was beginning to happen as a revolution. But uh, we, we began to, to see the, the changes in what we were watching on TV. You know, uh, you would see uh, Lucy and Ricky, they slept in separate beds, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, the Petries, you know, uh, Rob and, and what, was, what was her name? Uh, Laura. They slept in separate beds, you know. And, and uh, so we began to see the change and the transition as this thematic thing began to happen. Uh, Woodstock, you know, uh, happened in uh, my generation. And, and uh, the free love generation was about, like, nobody can tell me who I want to love and who I want to be with intimately. And there's no commitment needed. I just, I'm ready and I can... I can uh, be engaged in this level of relationship. The second thing that we notice about uh, the nation uh, that is under judgment is a uh, in, in rise of what Scripture refers to as vile passions. 
And this is uh, what we have seen also in my lifetime. I would probably reference this, uh, seeing it really start to happen uh, in the late 70s and, and in the early 80s. Uh, against the natural order of intimate relationships. And no longer was it, you know, just like free love between heterosexuals, but it was opened uh, wide, the gate, that there is, there is, you know, no restrictions whatsoever, that whatever I feel or I want to make me happy is the best for me. And then the third thing we see when we see the uh, a judgment upon the nation is uh, a nation under God's judgment is what's called a debased mind, a debased mind. And boy, have we seen this unfolding here recently, more so than ever before, a debased mind. Uh, Let me go back and just read to you a a little bit. Uh, Being filled, uh, in verse 29, being filled with, with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. Uh, They are whisperers, uh, backbiters, haters of God, uh, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, uh, disobedient to parents, uh, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. These are the things that are being enacted. These are the sins of our, of our, of our nation that are bringing about a debased mind. Now, what is, what is a debased mind? What does that mean? A debased mind is, is the mind that no longer functions based on logic, critical thinking, sound judgment, empathy for mankind. It no longer functions that way. It is a mind that is driven by lust-filled passions, greed, self-interest, hatred, sexual perversion, and it is bent on embracing a lie over the truth. And we have watched in our nation, our nation has uh, more and more and around the world embraced a lie over the truth. And this is uh, the world that you and I are living in and the judgments that God has brought upon the world. So that's the bad news, right? <laughs> that's the world you and I are living in. So here's the good news. And the unfolding of, of uh, the vision that I believe God has for us going forward, all the gospel for all the people, how are we to, to live this out? So where you and I are, the question comes, you know, so where, where are you and I um, as, as those who belong to God, as those who love God, as those who have surrendered to his lordship and leadership in our lives, where are we, what are we to be in our world in this moment and in this time when it is so bent in, in, in a direction against God, in rejecting the truth of God, moving in another direction? What are we to do? Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. If you, if you haven't highlighted this in your Bible, this is like, for me, one of the most encouraging passages in Scripture for us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. And the Lord paid attention, and he heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possessions, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. 
So our nation under judgment, individuals in their lives under judgment, but the church spared because God has always kept a book of remembrance. Those who belong to him belong to him. And his wrath has never been spilled out upon his people. And he preserves uh, that wrath judgment for those who are willfully walking in sin against him and away from him so that those who are living for him and love him will become a beacon of light, right? That all can see. And so we've arrived at the climax of a vision Sunday today and this message. In the midst of God's judgment upon our nation, our community, our neighborhoods, there is a people who belong to God. There has always been a people. Before my generation, there was a people who stood up in the previous generation for God and loved Him and put Him above everything else. And it is because they did so that you and I have a firm foundation to build upon, right? We have church buildings to, uh, and, and property and all of this because generations before us, people who loved God stood strong and firm and declared that He is the way and the truth and the life. Amen? And it's clear that we are not under judgment, right? We can see the difference of what's going on in the world. You see, the world that you and I are living in is shaking. It's trembling under the judgment of God. The justice system no longer renders justice. Family has, has lost its age-long definition in our world, not in us. We know what family means. Governments are driven by greed and filled with corruption. We see it all the time. We see them washing money and, and passing it back forth to one another. And yet there is no justice in the sense of they're never, they're never brought before courts. They're never, just, judge, justice is never executed on their behalf. Citizens have been taught to hate one another over how much malnum is in their skin. There's a rise in the cost of living that is crushing budgets and contributing to the increase of homelessness. It is shaking our world right now. So much crime in, in certain inner cities that police are outnumbered and they're ineffective. They've basically told their citizens, you're on your own. We don't know when we can get there. Fearful citizens that are afraid to leave their homes at night. Our world is shaken. Our nation is shaken. Fear and self-preservation are, the, are, are, are uh, rules for decision-making. How fearful I am and, and uh, how much I want to preserve my life is helping me make a decision. But in the middle of that storm, <laughs> the church of Jesus Christ is a mighty beacon, a lighthouse. And as members of the kingdom of God, here's what we should do. And this is our passage and our word for this year. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 38. So you want to get over there and underline it and make sure you have your bookmark in there so you can go back and look at it, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 38. If you found your place there, let's read it together, all right? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We don't live in their kingdom. We live in an unshakable kingdom. And while the world's kingdom is being shaken to its very foundations, 
While people don't know what to do with their money, to turn it into silver, turn it into gold, put it into, uh, you know, um, this, what was the guy's, uh, the crypto, crypto coin, yeah, I, I can't remember the specific, uh, he's, you know, he probably won't spend any time in jail, but he uh, took a bunch of money from a bunch of people across the world, right, and enriched himself and his friends and everybody else, and uh, yet, He's shaken, and his foundation has been shaken. He woke up one day broke. And, uh, you know, this is happening in our world, and they are fearful about it. But you and I are living in an unshakable kingdom, a kingdom that no matter what happens in our world is unmoved, unshaken. Therefore, we who live in this unshakable kingdom, we serve an unshakable God. We practice an unshakable faith. Right? You know, doubters come and they present things. We can't, our faith can't be shaken because it is anchored in Christ. That tomb is empty. And our faith is firm. And He rose from the dead and He rose for us. He died. He paid the price for us. He redeemed us as, as we surrender our lives to His Lordship over our lives. We, we are uh, listening to and practicing an unshakable truth. It is, a, it is a truth that, that, is, that is engaged in reason, and, and it is a truth that is engaged uh, in, in every way with critical thinking. It is a truth that is engaged with, with sound and common sense practice. We are engaged in that kind of truth, and it's unshakable to us, no matter what others say. We uh, experience with one another and with God an unshakable love. He gave us that kind of love, and so we can offer it to others. It's unshakable. No matter what happens, no matter how mean you act or how many bad things you say, we can say, like I saw Candace Bray said to some of her uh, counselors online, I love you no matter where you are or what's going on. And we can say it authentically because it is not just coming out of us. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that is saying, I love you and I'm reaching for you all the way to the end. We are uh, engaged in unshakable purpose. There are others that, that they, they start questioning why they're here and, 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 and what uh, purpose they have in life. But you and I are engaged in an unshakable purpose. We are engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, and we're the body. And we move strategically as he asks us to move. As the brain directs, we begin to move and function. Uh, all of our being is engaged in purpose. We are uh, destined for an unshakable destiny. And we're excited about it. You know, we realize that this life is about that long. <laughs> But eternity goes on for infinity, and we are preparing ourselves for eternity. We don't want to just cram everything into this one little section. You know, can you imagine us saying, you know, I really, this is the timeline for us, right? I really want to save and save and save so that when I get here, I can have some fun. <laughs> but as Christians, we're like, we're going to live practically, we're going to prepare, you know, and be ready for retirement. But listen, we're really putting all of our apples in the cart of eternity. We're getting ready for what is going to go forever, not what is going to go for a finite period of time. We have unshakable provision. Jesus told his disciples, I am the bread of life. 
You know, you can, you can, he told the woman at the well, I, I am, I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. We have unshakable provisions. No matter what people take away, no matter what they think will, will make us do something in, in response to, to them holding back provision from us, it makes no difference because they are not our provider. God is our provider. Amen. So people that get fired from a job because they didn't say things politically correctly enough or, you know, they get removed and, and uh, you know, in, and I'm not saying that, you know, just flippantly live your life in a way that's going to get you fired. You know what I'm saying? But there, there are situations and cases like the coach who prayed on the, the football field and, and was removed. You know, he, he recognized <laughs> this school district is not my provider. Amen. There's a God in heaven who provides for me and he takes care of every need. And I will continue to kneel to him and worship him. We are engaged in an unshakable hope. It's not wishful thinking like the world. I hope the economy gets better. Or I, I hope that, it, that they'll change their mind about this or that and, and, and allow us to, to live a little differently, a little freer or whatever. And whatever you've thought in your mind that, that, or whatever the world has thought in their minds that would provide them some kind of hope or, or future. We, we live in a solid, firm foundation of hope. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. He has not only been in your today, he has been in your tomorrow, into your next week, next month, next year, uh, the next decade, and he's already been there. And so I can put full confidence in my hope is real in Christ. Amen? I invite our worship team to come. They're always in, in, in this room and, and I think online, those who are being shaken some. And, you know, what, what we're talking about today, about living in an unshakable kingdom, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it hits home. It's like I really want to not be shaken by what I see and what's going on. I don't want to be shaken and fearful. I don't want to be shaken through abuse. I don't want to be shaken by addiction, shaken in my mind and my body, shaken and hopeless. And to that, God invites us into an intimate relationship with him where we move out of the realm of the kingdom of the world and into the real kingdom where the king of kings is king. And that foundation is firm and solid. And we can live in peace no matter what happens with the news and, and what happens around the world. Though there be wars, though there be all kinds of things that are going on, we can stand solid and firm in, in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. I want to ask if you're shaken this morning and the world is, you know, around us is being shaken. That you would transfer your passport from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God. And you would just kind of freely walk over, you know, I've, I've been through, um, uh, may, many of you have probably when you travel to other countries, you've been through those access points and you show your passport and they go over it with a fine tooth comb. And then, you know, finally you get to walk into the other country. And for me, in some of the countries we've been to, it's been a joy to get back to America, you know. <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to make it one time when we went to Romania. I got arrested and 
drawn into an office and you know I thought well this is probably the end of me and the rest of our team was getting ready to board the plane and God worked in, in an incredible way I know they were praying and and opened the door for me to, to get out but you know until that airplane landed in America and you know I got through customs and I walked in there's like, I'm safe now Secret Service is not coming to get me here, you know, I mean, the secret police and, you know, I'm safe now. And, uh, you know, this is what it's like, I think, for those of us who are living in the kingdom of God. It's like you interact with the world and you see the fear and you see all the things that are going on, but you step into the kingdom of his dear son and you're, and you're in a firm foundation and the peace of God begins to rest upon you. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes, please, for just a moment. Let's reverence this moment. Is there anyone in the room that would say, Pastor, I've been living on some shaky ground, and I, I haven't felt that confidence and that peace and that, that you're talking about. I really want to feel that. I want to sense that. I want to know that in my life and for my family. Will you just raise your hand where you are? Will you pray for me? Pastor, will you ask God? Yes. Thank you. God bless you. There's a lot happening in our world. Just one more time. Will you just slip your hand up and right back down? There's a lot going on. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And when we just drink it in, you know, we can, we can find ourselves being fearful. But there is, the Bible says, no weapon that has been formed against you that will prosper. God has written you down in his book of remembrance. You belong to him as a child of God. And if you don't this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to surrender. We're going to do it corporately as a church so that everyone is involved. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or this is your first time to accept him and ask him to be the Lord and leader of your life, I want to ask you to repeat this prayer with me and we'll pray together and ask Jesus to be Lord and leader of our lives, okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Put me on a firm foundation. I believe that you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.